trends change quickly and your company and your branding won't change as quickly as the trends change. So you have this opportunity, you establish a new brand, you get a new logo, all of the assets, you have a window to create a, a reputation. And then the imagery really supports, it's just a placeholder. The reputation is what carries you. You do good work. That is the bottom line. It's never the brand. You can do a perfect brand and your work is just not up to par and the brand doesn't matter then at all. Welcome back to the Honest Marketing Podcast, where you learn proven strategies to grow your business without selling your soul. I'm your host, Travis Albritton, and in this week's episode, you get to hear from my good friend and founder, Christian Ray. Christian Ray co-founded Third Drive, which is a creative marketing agency that works with businesses and startups that want to capture their story, build their brand, and use creative assets online to build their business, which is the name of the game nowadays. You have the paid acquisition, you have the creative, and Christian Ray is a fantastic storyteller, especially when it comes to driving business growth. So in this episode, you're going to hear us talk about branding, how to capture the right stories to tell for your company, to connect with your clients, uh, the pros and the cons of working with industry best practices when it comes to branding and marketing versus staying true to who you are and what you're trying to build, and just how to think about storytelling in general. So you're going to get a lot of practical tips about what kinds of stories to capture, how much you have to care about production quality and things like that, and how you can start taking those stories and using them as marketing collateral to start getting the word out about your business. I hope you enjoy this interview. Here's Christian Ray. So Christian, you have a very eclectic background, to say the least. Uh, and without going into your life story, I'm curious how you transitioned from Russian pop star to political refugee to evangelist to professional digital marketer. And kind of like why you ended up landing in that spot of all the places you could have landed with your background and your skill set? Well, the secret is I didn't. You know, I landed in like two or three different spots, uh, but one of them was marketing. I think marketing is conversations and marketing is storytelling, and that's why. Um, if you have the, the privilege of growing up in th on three different continents, you get exposed to a lot of culture, a lot of language, body language, you would start sort of perceiving human nature a little bit deeper. If you, I became a Christian, you become more perceived uh, deeper human nature. Uh, you become a musician, you're basically, it's all about how you feel the pulse of the culture. So I think all of these compounded ended up being such a natural fit for me to, to do marketing and storytelling, which that's it. That's really the short answer of that. Yeah, well, and, and storytelling, that's intentional, right? So you're not just writing personal blog, you're not just vlogging your life, um, but you really do have a great finger on the pulse of how to help companies use creative in order to drive the kind of results they're looking for, uh, yes. which in the direct response performance world that we live in is becoming a, a, a really valuable commodity, right? That as more and more things kind of revert back to the mean of measure the clicks, how much did the click cost? How much did we make? If we made money, spin it up again. Um, and, and the creative, I think because of that trend is becoming more valuable, not less, because there's less good creative on the internet, um, because some, everything is micromanaged down to the last penny. Uh, so I'm curious, as you're working with companies with Third Drive, um, what do those conversations look like as you're walking through the value of creative, or are they coming kind of predisposed, like, 
you know, you're an award-winning cinematographer. We want to work with you for our business. Like, what does that process look like when you're starting that conversation with a company about really how to leverage storytelling to help with their business? Number one, I think it's convincing them that there's nothing new under the sun. And um, fundamentally, the story, it, it, the s- stories drive our perception, stories drive our emotions, and they drive our actions at the end of the day, right? So, so if you tell a, a, a good arch of a story just in general as a, as, a, as a brand, and then you tell a whole bunch of stories inside of that arch, um, um, you, you'll, you'll do well eventually, you know, you'll, you'll figure it out. Um, and I think maybe the other, the other part is, um, especially if we're working with startups, which we do quite a bit, it's so easy for founders to focus on their thing. Um, and in a conversation, it translates perception-wise as a selfish conversation, right? Like you, you, you go to a reception, you, you make first contact, that's the first impression. And on the internet, you have six seconds to get somebody's attention on a website, probably less than that, maybe three seconds on a social post, right? Um, if somebody's talking about themselves in a reception, you walk away fairly quickly. If somebody's talking at a reception about something that really that you perceive as necessary or need uh, or important or vital, right? Or da- or even dangerous, like, did you know, right? Um, the person, y- you get their attention. Same thing with storytelling. It's a conversation, right? Uh, so a lot of um, founders, uh, quite uh, quite a few of them, and even, even we are not immune from this. If we're f- starting a new marketing agency or a new nonprofit or a new business, which we do every once in a while, we start our own businesses as well, is that when you're close to the business, you want to talk about the business and not the benefit to the client. And that's sort of the cardinal rule of, of marketing is talk about what they need, what they want, what they aspire to, uh, make them feel like you know them. And that's that's the art, right, of, of marketing. So so I'm guessing that the primary story that matters is not founders origin story. Uh nope. which is which is usually the first, it's the low hanging fruit. It's like how I yeah. became inspired to start this company or take it over from my father. Let exactly. me tell you about sleeping on the yeah. couch in my sister's mobile home with twenty dollars to my name and now look at me and how awesome I am. Uh yes. the ver- the very self aggrandizing, you know, I am someone to to be believed in. And I wouldn't say I wouldn't even say that people are trying to be self-aggrandizing. That's why, for example, many many of the interviews that I have, uh, I have this very rich, wild, strange story. Like I started uh, as a refugee when I was five years old. People attach themselves to that, and they go, "Well, tell us that." And I try to minimize that because, really, at the at the very core, maybe people would like some of my biographic um, stories just as a as a you know like a. You know, it's a, it's a personal story, right? But if you're talking in marketing, that no one cares about the backstory. What they care about is what what can you do for them, right? So you can use the backstory almost as a con- filling, adding context, but that you can't lead with that. That's that can't be the main thing. It just doesn't work. Uh, and people, <laughs> I don't want to sound as a sort of cynic, right? But people don't care about your backstory. <laughs> they don't care That's about so my true. backstory. <laughs> they just don't, right? Um, now, once they like you, right? Mm-hmm. Once they're in a relationship with you, they totally care about your backstory. 
But when they're trying to decide whether they want to give you their bandwidth, their emotional bandwidth, they just don't. Uh, in in that moment, they don't care about your backstory, and that's such a classic mistake uh, founders do: is a talk about themselves, b talk about the functionality of their whatever it is that they're offering, you know. And we do this, and we do that, and the app does this, you know. So it's all about functionality. It, it, it's not talking about the the pain point. What what is the pain that you're fixing in somebody else's life? Uh, and that's that's the main focus. That's sort of it's one of those things that it's uh, everywhere, right? When you talk to yes. people and you help them with the storytelling. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like, oh, but our features are awesome. It's like, yeah, but but I, I don't need yeah. your product. Yeah, but if you knew how awesome our features were, you'd give exactly. some money anyways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pe- pe- people don't buy an awesome drill. They they buy uh, creating a hole somewhere, right? What is mm-hmm. going to make them create a hole somewhere in in the most efficient way? That's what they're trying to buy. Uh, but if you give them all the, f- you know, if they're looking for a drill and you're selling them a hammer with all these features, they don't care about the hammer. They're just trying to make a hole. Yeah. So that's it. So what are what are those arching stories look like? Kind of the the meta narrative within that you then create stories within. How do you map that out um, from the client's perspective? Because I imagine much of the story is driven by the client's needs as it relates yeah. to the businesses that you're working with. How do you reverse engineer? or map out the story to start telling to help mm-hmm. the clients see themselves within that story? And then what are the stories you uh, create within that to help them identify the companies you work with as a, a potentially good solution to help them with their problem? That's a, that's a very good question. We had this, um, what this company is a FinTech company, uh, but it's also a sort of an API company. It's a connector company. So it's a B2B company and they're wonderful, right? Great, great tech. And the first exercise was when we started working with them was to figure out what's the one thing they want to do. But the thing is they do several things, like legitimately solves three or four different problems within the, you know, with, within their industry. But that's not good enough. We need to find out what is the thing that you lead with, the thing that the highest pain point. I think that everybody needs a problem you solve. And it's distilling that it's such a painful process in any marketing effort, right? And when we get, we got there, we go, okay, this is it. This, this is the one thing. Uh, and that's, so that's the arch, right? Everything else is sort of, there's a discipline towards prioritizing that one thing and then adding dimensions to that, right? It takes discipline, it takes humility, uh, and it takes storytelling. Now, within that, Let's say the company is a, you know, supply chain company, which is, I'm talking about this particular company, right? It solves all kinds of issues within supply chain um, industry. It is such a cold uh, narrative. The story, let's say we are, we, we solve, we, we do cash financing, right? Of, of people um, that, um, for suppliers that supply a service or a product to to a buyer but then there's a net 30 net 60 waiting time and i'm i'm just a small business owner who supplies this one thing to this massive massive corporation there's hundreds of us right so i'm waiting on this payment and i have to keep my staff the lights on make payroll create more product so then the story becomes very human once you go just a layer down and the and the story is Prosperity, economies, societies are built on small and medium-sized businesses, 
that's the backbone of of every pro- prosperous economy. It's it's good people doing good work for a long time. And what we're doing is we're giving them the opportunity to grow their livelihood, their their business, the quality of their services by supplying this fast cash payment so they don't have to wait for 30 to 60 days. So we're creating the tagline, the ba- the story that makes you feel something is we're creating a, a world where where business commerce is seamless. Now that's a story you can tell. So many of those sub stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then even sort of the the cover on the website that we used in some of the presentations is is small business owners, their faces, right? So there's these these elements, floating elements, where there's a face of somebody who owns a shop, who owns a small production, who prints something, who creates something. Those are the people that we're serving ultimately. Now, those are stories that not only uh, they make us feel something, right? So that's my point. These are, these are the sub stories. The arch is still, what is the thing that what 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 are you solving for somebody who they're struggling with it? They just can't can't do it. No one has done it well for them, but you're going to do it well for them. But then there's all these sub sub stories and arches that you can pursue that are inspiring. So then, once you've kind of identified the larger story of mm-hmm. your company and how it's serving in the marketplace and you start to pull back the the layers and you say okay well here's a really good story we can capture here's here's a client success story that we can highlight to help see the value of what we do mm-hmm. uh you know here here's something that's happening in the world and and how you know people in our industry can make this kind of impact and how we're doing it like there's so many different ways you can just share the story of things you're doing and how it relates to your clients but then there's the actual creative of yeah. making the story, right? Mm-hmm. So once you identify, this is a story worth telling and a story that will be helpful for positioning yeah. the brand of the company, then you actually actually execute that. So so how do you execute a well-crafted story for the internet? I mean, that's that's ultimately like the billion-dollar question. If you can answer that question sure. and, and execute it consistently, then you, you'll never run out of food to eat. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm curious, like, as you think about executing for businesses that are hiring you to do that for them, what does that process look like? And, and what are the, some of the best practices that you've discovered as you've had repetitions of this? You know, surprisingly, honestly, surprisingly, it doesn't require, it requires mastery, but not a lot of sophistication when it comes to polish, right? And, and I'll, I'll give you an example from the Ukraine Relief Network that we started when the war started in Ukraine. Uh, and basically the problem we were solving, I was sort of, you know, I used to live there, my youngest daughter was born in Ukraine, so I really sort of cared about it or felt it. So what we started doing is, okay, what's the highest, what's the pain point? What's the highest pain point right now? And at the moment, it was um, it was millions of people fleeing for their lives, stuck in traffic jams in villages somewhere in like, you know, basically escaping bombs to places that are safer. And they were running out of gas, food, clothing, medicine, that sort of thing. So what we did is developed a, a very quick solution so we can drop micro donations to refugees directly into their e-wallets. So that's the pain point, let's say, right, for this particular for the for the sake of this illustration. But then how do you tell the specific stories? It, and it was very simple. We just said, okay, let's let's capture short videos or pictures of individual families. And they're very amateur, unpolished, unproduced stories that'll last between 30 seconds and a minute and a half or two and a half minutes, that sort of thing. 
where you can see a picture with a family and saying, look, they're in this particular situation right now, and they just got help from us. Let's help more people like them. Or a a woman who is, um, you know, who needs medicine, and she's just saying that, look, we ran out of everything, we're very desperate, and now we have medicine, we can live, we can be healthy, and we can still, we still have to rebuild our lives, but this was amazing, right? And you see tears, and you see joy, and these micro-stories that were, we, we just sort of generated very, from a just a broad network of refugees, it made it into our social media, it made it into our website, and it's like this grid, um, of stories in the ukrainereliefnetwork.org if you want to check it out that helps people go I get it not only do I get the pain point and the the solution here but I'm getting the effect that people I'm feeling a desire to engage with this particular nonprofit does that make sense yeah well it's it's so funny like I think as businesses it, we we're still trying to shed the veneer of like old um, old creative where everything was made for TV right. uh, or everything was made for radio, yeah. right? Yeah. And so there was a certain like production level quality mm-hmm. to just like get a seat at the table. But with the internet, it's like talking in selfie mode on an iPhone. And like exactly. that can become Absolutely. really valuable. Like uh-huh. I, I remember, um, what was it? Uh, there's a, man, now that, now that I'm not thinking of the name of the company, it's going to drive me nuts. Um, but there was a cranberry juice manufacturer in the United States that their highest performing marketing campaign ever was someone drinking their juice on a longboard in like oh, really? selfie was it, mode. Was it like ocean spray or something? Yeah. Ocean spray. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, I so, remember that one. So, you know, user generated content. Um, and that became like their number one campaign ever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they didn't have a film crew to create that video. It wasn't planned. It just mm-hmm. happened. And then you, you captured the zeitgeist of that moment. Um, you do, yeah, yeah. But that, that's the thing. Is there's a lot of sophisticated thought and strategic thought that went into, let's look for those, right? And that's the magic here. It's, so it's not, the, it's not even the cost of the production or the, the polished version of it, but it's how to think of it a certain way that helps um, nonprofits, businesses, whoever, um, just get the pulse of, a, of the people they're trying to serve. Well, and, and the irony being, it, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've kind of noticed this to be true with businesses, either it's super polished and it's effective because it's really exceptionally well produced, or it's very raw. And because of that, it has right, value, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. And it's it's very hard to make something work in between where mm-hmm. it's like just produced enough that it feels like a commercial, but it's not authentic enough to feel like it's native content, especially when right. social media yeah. happens. Have you seen that kind of dis- distinction as well? Yes, I think so. Uh, and I think there's there's really no reason why you can't do both. Uh, even, even the Ukraine Relief Network that w- I just mentioned, we have this very unedited, very, very, much, very much grassroots content that's there, but we're actually now finalizing an actual commercial that is very polished, full production, uh, scripted all of it, right? With voiceover from, you know, we, we have the voiceover from the guy who did all of the Star Wars audiobooks, for example. It's just perfect voiceover. <laughs> like, you know, I can't possibly speak like that in, on camera, right? Um, but we, we have, we'll have both eventually. And the reason for that is just they serve different goals. You know, one serves uh, as these, these illustration, this context, this feeling inducing thing. 
the other one, the polished one, really serves as a overview of, of the arch of the. This is where we're going. This is the philosophy, the approach. This is who we're serving. So it's really an explanation of of the strategic value of it rather than the illustration of it. So for companies, it's really thinking through, okay, we want to jump into this content. We want to start creating content, capturing these stories, but we want it to have a positive reflection of our core identity of what we want to stand for, right? So, so walk through... When you think about branding, most people think colors, logos, that kind of stuff. But it goes much deeper than that. How do you think about creating a premium brand for a business online? Like what goes into that? What considerations do you make? Um, what's the overall experience that you you shape for that company? And, and how do you go about kind of crafting that process? Well, I think it's really, you act like a, like they're shrink, to be honest with you. <laughs> like it's like, like a counselor <laughs> of some sort, right? Yeah. Because... Uh, because most uh, most founders, uh, they're so close to it that it's hard for them to distill the essence of it, right? Uh, it's their baby, right? Like, what what is the one pain point of your baby, of your child? Everything is the pain point of my baby. You know, like, my baby is perfect. It's a, she's yeah. adorable. I have three daughters, right? Like, what is who's your favorite daughter? And what's the one thing that she does that everybody else can't? They're perfectly amazing in all kinds of ways right so i can I, I just can't speak like that about my my babies right so your company is your baby and you devote so much time to it so it's all, all so it's basically sitting with them and going okay uh let me help you think from the standpoint of the person who doesn't know you at all and and, and that's the starting point right what is the first impression let's let's shape that, that together so it's a lot of conversations about that um, and then associations, you know, references, reference points, aesthetically, verbally, um, color-wise, all of that stuff, and um, aspirations, right? Uh, you, you mentioned premium brands specifically. You know, premium is very interesting because premium uh, is is wonderful. Actually, it's a great niche in general. But if you're close to their business, to the business, you. You want to be premium, but you see all of the, you know, all of the flaws, so it doesn't feel very premium, so you feel insecure about sort of branding it as a premium. So you have to talk through that and going, okay, what's the aspiration though, right? What's the, you'll get there, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, we'll get there. Do you, you actually do? Yes, we do. Okay. So let's, let's think of it as if everything is perfect. What would that look like, feel like, right? Color-wise, um, energy. Uh, is the logo more uh, of a technical representation? Like, is it is it an industry-specific thing? Does it have to induce feeling, um, emotion, right? Is it Does it have to just demonstrate something? Does it have to fit in or stand out? So there's so much nuance. That's probably the hardest part in working with, um, with branding is that it just requires tremendous emotional, um, just emotional labor on... Uh, on the side of the founder, right? And then I would basically be the guide. You know, I'll be the, they're the Luke Skywalker, I'm the Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? I'm the guy mm -hmm. who's going, okay, just trust the force. Let me, I'm not going to do it for you, but I, I will do it for you, but I won't dif distill the essence for you. But let me help you distill the essence, right? Uh, so that's the, it's fun. It's really cool. If you have someone who really trusts you, yeah. If, if, if you have somebody who trusts you, it's fun. If you, it's somebody who is in a hurry and not really, you know, 
it's like a, a checkbox. It's not, it's less fun. So I tried not to work with with people that are in that place. They just don't have the emotional bandwidth for creating something special. Sure. Well, and side note, as many Star Wars references as you want to fit into one episode, yeah. go for it. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> you're in good company. Because um, I was, I did want to ask you the the mixture of the the art and the creative and preference mm-hmm. versus the science and of best practices, right? You know, so you have best practices of like colors, logo design, you know, the, the kinds of images and videos that you capture. Uh, you know, so there's certainly like best practices. Yeah. But then there's also like, the founder needs to feel a certain way about the brand as it's unfolding. And right. so how, how much of that tension is kind of goes back to the relationship you have with the client It's like, listen, are you hiring me because you like my taste and my preference and, and my track right. record? Yeah, or yeah. are you wanting me to just be a creative shop that responds to your graphic design critiques? Um, like, like how, do, how do you hold that tension where you can kind of have a win-win? Uh, where it's like, we don't really want green, even though we're a finance company. It's like, all right, mm-hmm. well, you want people to still feel like they're making money when they do business with you, right? It's like, yeah, okay, well, there's only so, so many colors that will communicate that emotion. Yeah. Uh, so so walk me through that. Like, how, how do you blend the best practices with kind of pleasing the client, but then also having that instinctual um, kind of like eye to detail of this is really going to work for this company for this reason? It's a million-dollar question. I think it's really it really has to do in, in sort of establishing a certain kind of relationship from the get-go, right? You frame it a certain way, and you ask a lot of questions, and then you basically decide whether you want to work with, with this kind of frame, limitations. Every, everything has limitations. Sure. Um, or you don't, right? And then... And sometimes you do, although because they're they might be like ninety percent there. They know what they want exactly. They just want it executed and then transferred to all the assets and have sort of a disciplined approach, a brand guide, all of that stuff, right? All of the assets, and that's fine. Where they're eighty percent there, they know what they want. They just want it pushed through the finish line and then sort of adopted across um, across all of the marketing assets that they have everywhere. But if you're if it's raw, I think really that my my preference would be, hey, are you emotionally available for this? Will you give us give me your time? Because I will give you mine, um, and then would you trust me to not have the final word, but to guide you and to poke you and to not and to challenge you without you being uh, sort of offended offended or defensive, right? Um, and so you establish that you go a few circles around that. And that helps because it's it's a very emotional. Uh, like I, I know that I'm bringing that that up over and over again. Branding is a very emotional affair because it's the essence of what you do. So it can become messy, right? Uh, it can go sideways very easily. It can be very time consuming, um, and it's almost never. Um, it almost never goes flawlessly well in the sense of. Wow, our first set of designs—we we got it, we nailed it. Almost never, right? Uh, you have right. to feel it's—it's it's a very emotional affair, as I said, right? So I guess maybe my my concise answer is: it's a very emotional affair, and the founder and the team need to be emotionally invested in it and available emotionally for it, uh, which is sitting in places of discomfort, of creative searches, and sort of the left, the going to the left and then going to the right. Um, being able to do that. Um, and sometimes people are not in that space. That's all. 
And then are there any trends or best practices that you're seeing when it comes to online brands in 2022? Because it's, it's always a moving target, right? And yeah. millennials are currently the largest workforce, but Gen Z is going to catch up pretty quickly. And so then mm-hmm. marketing and branding trends are going to shift, right? Um, but are there any best practices or trends that you're seeing that you've seen be successful as far as connecting the brand with the ideal client or not? Or is it really company by company, industry by industry, we're going to use this color for this emotion here. We're going to use a totally different color for the same emotion sure, over here. Sure. Like, like what, you what know, are you saying? I, my, what I'm seeing is I, I follow the trends, right? For example, like two, three or four years ago, most of the logos that were produced were flat and simple. No gradients, right? There's right. no dimensionality to it. Very, very simple. And that's changed in two, three years or, or five years or probably quicker than that. I basically can't allow that to shape the process. Because any brand or any business, it better survive five to ten years if you're trying, if you're doing your best, if you're doing good work, right? So the the brand will change, the trend will change, but if you're doing good work, people will associate that imagery or that aesthetic with the good work that you do. That's really the bottom line. So in some sense, it doesn't matter, you know? Is it good to be aware of it? Yes, it is good to be aware of it. But at the very core, I don't think it matters because... The trends change quickly, and your company and your branding won't change as quickly as the trends change. So you have this opportunity, you establish a new brand, you get a new logo, all of the assets. You have a window to to create a, a reputation. And then the imagery really supports, it's, it's just a, a placeholder. The reputation is what carries you. You do good work. That is the bottom line. It's never the brand, right? You can be, you can do a perfect brand and your and your work is is just not up to par, and the brand doesn't matter then at all. You know, then it stands and it stands for bad work eventually. You know? <laughs> so uh, you know, so I guess I guess the short answer is I don't pay attention to these things, although although I am aware of them. Well, and the reason I ask you that is because often I, I see companies that for one reason or other they think. Oh, the branding's the problem. This is the silver bullet. We get the professional logo. All of our sales uh, issues go away overnight, right? Or uh, oh. you know, it's it's the same with like you know ads managers. It's like, well, we just got to find the right the right agency that can run profitable ads uh, to right. our widget that doesn't help anyone. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, how many you know reticulating back scratchers are there on the internet, and why why should they care about yours? Like, right. all a great sales team is going to do is put you out of business faster. Uh, and, and so I see the same with branding where it becomes like, oh, well, if we just had good branding, then everything would be better because then yeah. we'd be a premium product. It's like, well, mm-hmm. if the impact of your company is not premium, doesn't matter, you know, yeah. what kind of lipstick you put on the pig. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Just now, do good work and people. Yeah, will yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's not that complicated. No, but we got to make it complicated, Christian. It, it can't be us. It can't. The founder is not at fault. Uh, yeah, our company exactly. is perfect. We're perfectly positioned. We're always communicating perfectly. It's our clients that don't understand yeah, exactly, how much they yeah. need us, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> there's a little, little tongue-in-cheek there. Um, now, are there any like faux pas or just like very clear lines like, don't do this uh, if you want to have a long-lasting internet business? Like, Are there any things that just immediately come to mind like, I remember they did this and it was really bad and don't do that? Sure. Or, you know, just things that you've picked up that, that are just kind of good food for thought for people that are trying to work through this very creative 
kind of subjective process? Uh, yeah, probably, probably. I would say, I, I mean, it's it's not a long list, but I would say um, the overarching goal is to engage and not confuse. <laughs> you know, um, and it, it's remarkable how quick, how often a a company will will go from even if they establish something clear and neat and interesting and engaging, how it deteriorates quickly, right? Um, so it's keeping keeping the other person, being a selfless person is the key to marketing, you know? Um, because you think of the other person, you don't think of yourself, what's, what, what tickles you, what makes you feel that you're doing good work, you know, the thrashing of, of changing copy all the time, changing product names all the time, changing the website all the time. Look, leave it alone, set it up, leave it alone, do the work. That's it. That's the secret. Uh, but people quite often replace doing good work with being busy. And oftentimes uh, the busy part is the marketing, right? They just play around with things too much instead of just doing good work. If only we could just execute that, we'd all be a lot, a lot happier, right? Just, just yeah, be a great right? company, do good work, and and be lean enough to survive as Precisely, you build momentum, yeah. right? Yeah, and, um, and and focus on forward motion rather than changing the things mm -hmm. you already set up. Look, brand the, the brand or the marketing is is essentially the first impression. First impressions are not going to build your business; they won't, you know. So focus on the second impression and the third impression, you know, on the actual user experience and all of that stuff. So now before we wrap up, I'd love to hear more about third drive and, and how you partner with companies, businesses, startups, uh, to kind of shape these stories, build out these branding assets, funding, mm -hmm. what, what are the different services that you offer? And then who are the kinds of companies and clients that really make excellent fits for what you do? Sort of the, the broad the broad strokes of it is that we have a consulting part of the business, which is really more business consulting, raise capital for startups, help them get more investable. Um, and my business partner Brandon Nicely, he he sort of leads that, and I help him. Then we have the storytelling part, with the marketing part, um, and our our strong points are high quality, um, high quality branding and storytelling, not necessarily uh, ad buying and sort of. SEO, things like that. We we can do that, but we prefer not to, right? So we focus on the high quality stuff and we have won a bunch of awards for that. Um, and we work really more, I think our our ideal uh, client is probably post-revenue. They have some revenue, so they have some budgets to actually dedicate uh, to developing something high quality, um, but not enterprise level, right? So it's sort of a medium in the middle, uh, segment where it's being shaped. It's also more interesting to us as creatives. Uh, when you're enterprise level, it's there's so many there's so many controls and so many limitations that from a creative standpoint, it's just not very interesting. So um, it's better if other people do that kind of thing. Um, and uh, so we work with startups, and it could be all kinds. A lot of them are tech startups, uh, fintech. Um, we we've with some with some services as well. We work with medical. Um, legal things like that, uh, insurance pe uh, people, uh, and then nonprofits as well. Because, and I think partially it's because I love. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. I love nonprofit work, 
um, we help the poor internationally. So I've done so much work with that. So I have sort of a personal interest and passion in that. And because of that, I am quite good at telling those stories, right? So so we have quite a few clients that are churches, nonprofits, um, that sort of thing. Very cool. And I'll leave a link to thirddrive.co in the show notes below if you want to go check out uh, Christian's website and see more about what they do. Uh, and then I also want to give you an opportunity to plug your show, Headspace. So walk through your own oh, personal projects. Thank you. What you, you what you, you talk about, the kind of people that you talk to, and and what moved you to start creating content around the the concept? You know, I I think that the the backstory to to Headspace is that you know I love people that are ambitious, that are eager, that are learners, that are world changers. Right? Um, I've been always sort of this way, and and what I don't like is when people that are exceptionally gifted. Uh, undermine their own work, right? So my the backstory is that I was uh, one of the top performers in the in the country that I was living in at the time in Eastern Europe, and um, and I was really 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 good, and I had a number one hit at the time. But my personal life was just crumbling, so I was super depressed and super successful at the same time. I think it's for them, it's for these kind of people that I want to change the world, but they have to get out of their way and need to figure out how to do it. And the cool thing is that if you like the tagline of the show is your headspace today will determine your life space tomorrow. Is that really it's an exercise of, of changing a lens in your head, right? Like the headspace you're in, you're thinking about this particular thing's wrong. And because of that, you're literally hurting yourself in the long run. And you're so gifted and you're so ambitious and you can do so much good. And the world needs you in good shape. So I think that's that's the target audience for Headspace, right? And basically the goal is to just distill ideas that are that are can be leveraged for transformational effect down downstream, something that you can change tomorrow to, today will change your tomorrow basically in in amazing ways. And that's what happened to me, you know. I've made a few tweaks in my life and I've had uh, 25 years of, you know, it's not trouble-free, but it's wonderful, right? It's just expansive. It's wonderful. It's world changing, uh, and I, I'm just grateful that those tweaks that I made, I made early on, so I can uh, get to do more good in the world. Awesome, amazing. Yeah, we'll leave links to that as well in the show notes. Go check out Headspace. Go check out Third Drive. Christian, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So my number one takeaway from my conversation with Christian Ray is that when it comes to branding, be less concerned with how your logo turns out, what colors you use, typography, the things, the, the nitty gritty details that we can get so wrapped up on thinking if we just have the perfect combination of all of these creative elements, it will explode our sales and we'll never have any growth problems at all. Instead, use your brand as an opportunity to make an impression on your customers and then be a great company because no matter what branding or logo design you end up running with, if they associate that imagery with high quality solutions and that you deliver the results that you promise for them, then the logo becomes secondary, right? If Coca-Cola tasted bad, it wouldn't matter if the logo looks good because you'd associate it with bad tasting soda. So in the same way, branding is important. Capturing stories from your customers and sharing them is important. But at the end of the day, that's only the window dressing. Beneath that, be a great company that does great work for your clients. And in the long run, all the branding will work out. Now, if you or someone you know 
would be a great fit to be a guest on the podcast, shoot me an email at hello at honestpodcast.com. I'd love to interact with you or the person you feel like would be a great guest. And, uh, you know, just share the love. Like, let's let's really have a great conversation around how to be ethical marketers, ethical business owners in the internet space and make a great impact for our clients and customers. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Honest Marketing Podcast. And as always, be honest. (laughs) 